It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this uh, 25th day of May, 2017. Uh, I'm here with uh, no one. (laughs) So uh, let me give out the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, uh, feel free to call in. Uh, our call-in number is 347-237-4819. Now, that call-in number, once again, is 347-237-4819. Now, uh, after you... You dial that number, you'll get this lady, and then you'll hit number one, or just hit one, uh, and that'll put you in the queue. Oh, uh, and today we're going to have James Cripps and possibly Ray Cobb, and we're going to discuss some federal regulations here, among other things. Uh, I do have someone in here. Hold on. Hello, caller. Hey. Yeah, how you doing, James? I'm good. How are you, Gerald? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I'm just giving the introduction there. And uh, by golly, I was glad to see you call in. Uh, we were, I think Ray will join us in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I figured you guys are running a tad late. Uh, we were going to discuss this 38 uh, uh, CFR 3.303 A, B, and C. And, right. Uh, which... A lot of veterans, I don't believe fully understand it or how it works uh, because I've seen so many claims, different claims, where the VA says, uh, you never got this in the service or, you know, the... It didn't get started in the service, so you can't uh, claim it as a a disability you acquired in the service. And a lot well, of times that's not true, <laughs> according to the these VA, regulations. The VA, the VA consistently turns down turn down claims. Because you didn't have the the problem in service or within one year after service. That's uh, exactly right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, that's contrary to the to the CFR. I don't see how they're getting away with that. Uh, they're stalling for well, time. Well, not enough people are calling them on it. Uh, 
I, I don't know. Uh, Wouldn't that be a cue? It, it, I guess it could be. Um, the part about it having manifest in service is right. Well, if it's on your service record, let's say you went through basic training uh, and you broke a toe. Yeah, right. And you went and they managed that toe up. I don't think they can set a toe or anything else. They sure they can't put a cast on it. But it's on your medical record that you went to the dispensary that day and they yeah. managed up your toe. And they may or may not given you the rest of the day off. Like when I was in, they probably wouldn't have. Uh, and if you broke a toe, you wouldn't complain about it anyway. Uh, you just keep running. <laughs> yeah. But then later on in your life, when your old bones kind of got uh, decrepit anyway, uh, that toe is, it, it has been bothering you, let's say, every time it rains, your toe ached. I've heard a lot of people say every time it rains. Um, and later on in life, Man, you just developed a limp, and you did, it, the, the pain in that toe was bothering you. And it's 30 years since your service. Yeah, you've got a right to claim that toe if it's on your service record. Let me, you know, I'm sitting here with a with a CFR in my hand, and my, what yeah. I'm reading is three three point three oh three B. B. Okay. And it's got to do with chronicity and continuity. With chronic disease or, in, let's say, I'm going to add to that, or injury, with chronic disease as shown as such in service, in other words, it was on your medical record. If it was just a one, one-time one thing when you went to the dispensary and you broke that toe. Yeah. Uh, so as to permit a finding of service connection subsequent manifestations of the same chronic disease at any later date. Underline that. Circle it. Highlight it. Uh, put it in your back pocket and save it. Cut it out. Put it in your billfold. At any later date, no matter how remote, is to be service-connected unless clearly attributable to intercurrent causes. Now, what that means if they can't attribute uh, the cause of your toe pain today, 30 years later, to something else, say you stuck your lawnmower, your foot under your lawnmower, well, sure, we can understand that, but let's say you, they can't say that you've injured that foot since then, then no matter how remote, they have got the service connected. Do you know how infinite no matter how remote is, no matter how remote is one in one billion zillion, you know, no matter how yeah. remote, uh, unless they can attribute to intercurrent causes. If they can find a medical record where you went to the doctor and stuck it under a lot more 20 years ago, uh, yes, yeah, that's probably the, the cause of your pain. But lacking, you know, lacking proof, go ahead. In my 
seat in my last claims folder, I found where they had given me three days bed rest because of an injury to my foot. Does your uh, foot bother you today? Oh, yeah. Uh, Uh, My doctor and this was this was several years ago. My doctor even had X-rays sent me to a foot specialist, and and said I had rheumatoid arthritis in my big toe, and even described that. And I even put that in my file. even though I didn't have a claim in on my foot, it, it I think it is in my service records where I showed that. Because being up in Alaska, uh, uh, you know that oh that cold weather's hard on your feet. <laughs> Unless you're wearing them Mickey Mouse boots all the time, and, uh, which we didn't. But uh, that injury and in basic training could have followed me on. And that would explain why I was having so much foot trouble along. Uh, and that would be a service connection. You know, Gerald, this stuff is so simple that people overlook it because they try to overcomplicate it. Uh, well, veterans yeah. need to go back, and they need to pick them, pick them up a CFR, read it online, copy it off, put it in the bathroom next to your commode. You'll get rid <laughs> a little at a time. Uh, I keep a CFR next to my commode. Start reading at 3.300 and read through 3.304, 3.305. That gets back to the basics. And to answer your question, if you had uh, a foot problem in service and it's noted yeah. on your service record and at any time... At any later date after service, you have problems with that same injury. No matter how remote, they have to service connect that. So now what you do is you pull that record where you went to the dispensary that day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, either that or, or tell them where it's at if you don't have the record. Tell them it's included in your record. Um Give them a yeah, date if you is. can, or even a year. Uh, but if you can I pull think the record, it has the the date because I was in basic training. Pretty simple. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. If you can pull the record yourself, it would be better. If you can pull that record, or even if you can tell them where that record is, uh, and you can get a present-day diagnosis of your foot problem, your your toe hurts because of what did you say they said it was? A foot injury. 
Yeah, but right now and you've got they, what? They didn't define it other than that. And, yeah, if you and have arthritis in that foot. Yeah, and in all these years, it's never showed up till I got this last disc in April. It showed up in that disc. But I, you've had trouble with it all along, right? I have had trouble, and I said, my land. Okay. That's why I had trouble with that book. <laughs> okay, then that shows, that shows the chronicity. Yeah. The continuity, have you ever been, have, do you periodically go to the doctor with it or complain to your doctor about it? I did complain to my doctor, and he's the one. Now, this was over 15 years ago. I complained but, to him, and he sent me to a specialist, and they x-rayed my foot and uh, come back with this deal, which I still got that medical report. Uh, that I had rheumatoid arthritis in it. Okay. Yeah. That. that <laughs> you know, when you hurt your foot, that's that's what finally happens to you. You get, you get rheumatoid arthritis in it. If you can pull that record, uh, where yeah. they X-rayed your foot, oh, you yeah, can show. Yeah, you can show continuity. You turn <laughs> okay. that. You turn that service record in, and you turn that X-ray report in, and you show a diagnosis of a present-day problem where where they diagnose you still having foot problems, and you turn that in as a fully developed claim, and you expect to win it within 120 days. There you it's go. that simple. Just yeah. Well. Now you you're going to have to get a doctor. To, to give you a nexus letter saying that that present day diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, at least as likely as not, was caused by that injury in service. And if you take that I, medical record, yeah, all you got to do is you've, I'm sure you have Medicare. All you've got oh, to yeah. do is pay, pay the $15 copayment. And ask you show the doctor your service record where you hurt that in in the service. Show the doctor the diagnosis of the of the rheumatoid arthritis, and ask them to make the service connection. The nexus letter. Write you a nexus letter. You got to have that nexus letter to win it. Yeah, uh, I'll have him write tell one. The doctor. I do have regular regular doctors. So. Uh, Go to. Go to the USVA101.org. I'm going to say it again. USVA101.org. When you get to that website, up at the top, click on Nexus Letter. And there it explains to the doctor why you need a Nexus Letter. Yeah. And then it gives an outline of how he needs to write that nexus letter and everything that it's got to include. That way you get a proper nexus letter. Now, that doctor is going to write you a letter, but he's going to hang on to that two-page uh, document because he's going to use it over and over and over for to write other letters. If you'll, when you, when yeah. you pull that up, if, you, if you'll notice... 
16,300 people have copied that off and used it to get their nexus letters. Can you tell the doctor? USVA. USVA. USVA101.org. Okay. And that stands for United States Veterans Alliance. He's written nexus letters before, so he's got a pretty good idea. Yeah, but Uh, sometimes they'll leave off the rationale. I'll, uh, and it gives it a whole lot of explanation. I'll give him a copy of this. So he, he yeah, knows. just copy it off. He would he he will appreciate it. I'll guarantee you, because it gives him yeah. an outline. He don't even have to think about it. Uh, it tells him to to use in terms not not probably, but put it in terms of a likelihood. Yeah, be sure and give his credentials. It reminds him of everything that he needs to put in that letter. If he conforms to it, you'll have the perfect nexus letter. There's no way they can pick it apart. That vet, Most claims fail because the veteran does not have a nexus letter. Yeah, it nexus takes three things, critical. It takes three things to win a claim. You've got to have an event in service. You hurt your foot. you got to have a, a, a diagnosis of a foot problem today, and you've got to have that nexus letter. Just three things. Now, what I do is I go to my doctor, and I show him that, and and just tell him, and he'll pick it up, put it in his notes, and just tell him I've got to have a letter. Uh, and if you'll write me that letter, I'll agree to go to any specialist that you want to send me to so you can make sure uh, of what you're writing there. And then if he does send you a specialist, which is going to get into a, his copay is going to be 15 bucks with Medicare, I think. Then if he sends I you to a specialist, yeah. okay, if he sends you to a specialist, that's really good because then you got an opportunity to take another copy of that USBA explanation of the Nexus letter take it to that doctor and say, Doc, would you write me a letter? Now you got two letters going. Uh, it just tickles me to death when they want to send me to the specialist because yeah. then I can go to the specialist and collect another letter, go back to him and say, okay, I saw you specialist and he agrees. Now how about writing me my letter? So now you got two Nexus letters, uh, all for a little, a little bit of a copay. I have never paid more than thirty dollars for. Uh, I've never paid anything. Opinion. Yeah, well, uh, you got to pay your copay to go to the doctor. Uh, well, I don't. Uh, I don't at, at all agree with going out and paying a lot of money for Nexus letters. You don't have to. If it if he'll conform to that letter written by the USVA, I sat down and wrote that. Gosh, back in two thousand and ten. And put it online, and like I say, it, it's been copied more than 16,000 times. Service officers use it. They copy it and give it to their clients. Lawyers use it. Uh, it's just so simple to do. You don't have to say a word. Doc, I need a letter and hand him the paper. It's self-explanatory. He's got an outline there to go by. Uh, but that that's all important. 
the nexus letter. Yeah. If you had to, if you had to have been in service, and you've got the the present day diagnosis, yeah, get you get your nexus letter. Like say, well, you know, it's one of them instances where I totally uh, forgot all about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I just, we do. We forget and things then like it that. showed up here in my medical records, and I said, "Why no? Why am I just now reading this? Because it wasn't yeah. in the others." Yeah. I, uh, but like I say, some things are just some of these things. If if you just set down, copy off. If you if you get it on the internet, copy and read three point three zero zero three point. That's code of thirty eight CFR. Three point three zero zero three hundred through about three oh four three oh six somewhere, and don't just read over it, comprehend it, listen to what yeah. it's saying. Um, you know you, you you'll find in there the the attitude of a rating officer, what his attitude is supposed to be. If you come in all hyped up and mad and cussing him out and and down the VA, and he has got to put up with that, and he's got to be nice to you. Read about it. I even carried my CFR one in one day and said, "Look, read this. You got to be nice to me." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. They were all mad at me because I put them on TV. Oh. <laughs> And they were awful <laughs> aggravated at me. But uh, like I said, when I went in, I, I told him, you got to put up with me. Read it right here in the CFR. Uh, but, yeah, copy that off. Let's say put it put it in in your bathroom and really comprehend, uh, and you'll learn a lot. Just in a few few pages of the Code of Federal Regulations, that that Code of Federal Regulations is the law that Congress laid down in the U.S. Code, and then the VA they retranslated. Well, it didn't translate it; they copied it into the 38 CFR. That's the law well, that they have. There are only only two a veteran has to combat the VA is the third. Exactly. Exactly. They use and that. They use that as their regulations that they have to go by. And if yes. we pick up a CFR and we make sure they're following the rules, you know that's written to make them follow the rules and us. It benefits us as much or more than it actually benefits the VA. So long as we follow that legal road, according to the Code of Federal Regulations, then we're going to win. That's what I'm telling you. If you'll properly file the claim on that foot and you'll support it with a nexus letter and you've got your diagnosis, uh, you you show that service record where you heard it, then 120 days you're going to win it. If not, yeah, you want to know why they didn't they didn't adjudicate according to the Code of Federal Regulations. You when you when you file that claim, send them a copy of three hundred three 
be and highlight if it's on your service record, no matter how remote and no matter how long. Just highlight it. Send it in with a claim. Here's what you've got to do. Here's the law. Now do it. You know, uh, sure that it'll be filed properly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, file it properly. Properly get your nexus letter. When you get your nexus letter back from your doctor, then you read what I wrote there on the USBA site and make sure he's he's conformed. Yeah. Because if he fail if he fails to put a rationale down there why he believes what he believes, you're gonna go from a probative value on that letter of a ten down to about a one or two if they don't just throw it in a trash can. It's got to have that rationale. He can't just well, say it's probably because he hurt his foot in service. He's got to say why. And that's his rationale. You know, yeah. foot injuries are known years later to, to develop rheumatoid uh, arthritis. Uh, you know, it's a simple for a doctor to do. They know how to do that. But that, if you take in that copy, it's going to remind him to do it. There's about five things that letter's got to include. And if he goes by that, that draft and then that example, he'll have everything in there. And you, they'll have no reason to pick that letter. Just do it. File it. Expect to win it in 120 days. File it as a fully developed claim. In other words, well, you turn it in. Well, example. That's a prime example right there. And and Uh, what gets me is why, after 15 years of fighting with them on the McLean's folders and this and that, trying to look at what they're supposed to be looking at, it wasn't until this February that it showed up in one of the discs that I got from them that's supposed to be my complete claims folder. And I said, my lad, that ain't never been in there before. That's why I brought it up. And and I had went to the doctor, and it was, I think, the same, uh, same foot, my right foot. <laughs> I no. said, this is a prime example right here. Uh, if you can, go tomorrow and file an intent to file the claim. Go to I've your county service officer. Yeah, file the file intent. Online. Okay, if you filed the intent, this yeah. is May, they're going to have to pay you back to the first day of June. I already the, Your earliest effective, <laughs> effective date is going to be going to be the first of the month, following the month, that you filed the claim. Or you file the intent. So if you I go ahead I and file that it. intent, yeah, if you file that intent, then that will give you plenty of time to get your nexus letter and get your records together. Yeah. And when you do it, make sure you've got it all and file a fully developed claim. If you add one uh, piece of information to it later, it kicks it out. Make sure you've yeah, got it all. Yeah. The three elements that you search on your service record, the nexus letter, and the diagnosis. Three elements. When you get those three elements, file a claim. 
expect to win it in 120 days. As soon as I got this disc and read it, I followed uh, intent to claim. Follow the claim. Uh, I already done that. I now, right there, right there it is. So, so far so good. Now, Gerald, you're not new to this stuff. Yeah. Why is it that you I never mean, saw that, that before? As an example, I mean, things like this can crop up and you don't realize it. The sad part of it is, though, James, uh, why don't they come out with this pertinent information that a veteran needs early on so he can he can address it? It's there, Daryl. I know you, it's supposed you're to be not there, new. but it's not. You're not new at this. <laughs> yeah. But have you ever noticed those clauses before? No matter how long after service and no matter how remote? Oh, yeah, I've read the 303. Uh, uh, but you just, it, you three. just don't. But uh, uh, that's right, however remote. It does yeah. state it's that. It's got to sink but, in. It's got to sink in. You've got to. You know, you got to, with your brain, you've got to hold that information, and then you got to remember, no matter how long after service, at, the way it says is, as is at any later date. And that's a long way from being one within one year of of your. ETS. Well, yes, it is. And I've read some uh, James where they've said uh, uh, the guy had to be. Uh, uh, service connected one or ten percent before they would even consider that later date, and uh, I was thinking surely these guys had to file a appeal on that. Okay, let's let's do a little not a correction here, but we want we want to we want to bring up the point that this applies. If it's noted on your service record, you can't right. say I had a I had a, a a foot injury forty years later. If it's not on your service record, but three hundred three B applies if it's noted on your service record in service and at any yes. later date. Yes. Uh, if they say you didn't go to the dispensary and it wasn't on your service record, then yeah, you're probably not going to win it. But if it's noted on that service record, then you, you back it up with 303B and you file it and you expect to win it. If you properly filed your claim, you get a proper nexus letter or two or three. I always like three. Three nexus letters is considered overwhelming evidence. It'll override yeah. a C&P exam. If you've got three good, properly written nexus letters, I don't even worry about the C&P exam because three properly written nexus letters by a qualified doctor is by by education or experience is going to override that C&P. I don't even worry about C&Ps if I've got three nexus letters. Uh, man, that doctor, that, that C&P doctor ain't going to override three. Yeah. 
One will usually do it. Doctors anyway that give you CMB. I'm never. There you go. I'm never had a doctor. Well, if you've got a a, a, something other than a doctor, say a nurse practitioner uh, doing your CMB, but an MD wrote your nexus letter, it's supposed to come down to a matter of credentials. Who's got the highest credentials? But you've got to have that rationale. And if you'll go to usba101.org and copy that off and give it to that doctor, when he gets home that evening or when he comes in the next day and he dictates on his on his on the telephone the letter, uh, which they do, they don't write them out themselves. Usually, they dictate them to their dictate yeah. service over the telephone, and he's sitting there with that form in his hand. And he's telling telling whoever's on the other end how to write that letter. And he's going to save that, and the next time he has to write a letter, he's going to use it because it makes it easy for him. Yeah. It makes it easy on you because your letter is going to include everything it should include. It's going to get full probative value. There's about five things, points, that's got to be made in that letter. If it's lacking one then your probative value is going to come down. That C&P doctor may beat you. But if if this letter contains everything it should, that C&P doctor is going to have a hard time beating it. He better have some really, really strong credentials. And if you've got two or three of those letters, he's whipped before he ever starts. Well, something like that shouldn't even go to a CMB examiner, would it? If there's enough medical evidence to grant the claim without a CMP examination, they're supposed to go ahead and grant the claim. You're right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah. But usually the writer will call for a CMP as a matter of formality, if nothing else. But this is another important part. When you go for the C&P examination, if it's a remand from the board, they have got to have your file sitting in front of them, and that can be computer. If it's not remanded from the board, they don't actually have to have your file in front of them. So what you want to do is you want to stick those three letters in your back pocket, and you want to take them to the C&P exam uh, and when you get there, just ask, ask, just offer them to the doctor, and he may or may not take them, and say, Doctor, do you have access to these letters? I have medical opinions here. And when you tell him they're medical opinions, he'll probably take them and read them. He doesn't have to. He can refuse to even look at them. But, uh, and I've had it happen both ways. When I went before the before the uh when my claim for Agent Orange exposure in the continental United States was adjudicated, I had 13 nexus letters. That's what the judge had in front of him, 13. And I had more wow. that I hadn't even turned in yet. That's what won my claim. Doctor's opinions, expert opinions. I had a epi- epidemiologist uh, letters. I had uh, the Georgia State Pest Control, uh, the head of the Pest Control Division, Georgia State, I had his statements. Um, 
That's how you want to claim with evidence. Yes. And and yes. Yeah. Very true. Uh, you know, don't uh, some of these guys just go bonkers over a claim. They don't understand it. They don't, you know, simplify it. Don't add anything to it. Read it for what it is. However remote means. However remote, unless they change the law. At any that later date after service, what does it mean? I can read it just as good as they can. And when they tell me I didn't have it within a year of my ETS date, and I'm reading in the Code of Federal Regulations where it said I don't have to, at any later date, uh, we, 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 we're going we're gonna to have a conversation there. <laughs> we're going to yeah. bump head. Uh, there's nothing wrong with copying that law, however remote, and and send it in with your claim. You don't have to copy the whole thing. Uh, just copy from from so they'll know where you're reading. Uh, copy from from the beginning of of three o three down yeah. to B, and then just cut it off at the bottom of that paragraph and highlight it at any date after service. Highlight that in yellow highlighter. And then, however remote, highlight that. Send it in with a claim. Because you would be surprised how many service officers and probably raiders. They've read it. They've had training. But it went in one ear and out the other. You know, I'm sitting here. And I've got a code of federal regulations, a CFR. And it belonged to a service officer who retired after 40 years service. Now, they get a new one every year. Or they did. They get them online now. But it, this is a uh, 13 model, revised as of July 1st, 2013. I used to get these from when, when they were available I got the hand-me-downs from the service officers. They get a new one. The state would buy them new ones every year, and I would ask yeah. for an old. Very little, very little has changed. These books that I got, I would always get one that looked like it never had been opened, just as clean and perfect, uh, and probably it hadn't been opened. <laughs> my CFRs, yeah, my CFRs. I got bookmarks all in them. I got tabs in them. I wrote all over both covers and the inside covers. I've highlighted on every page in it. I got things circled and marked and and you know I use my like I say I keep a copy sitting by my computer. Oh, but but if nothing else, go back to the basics. Print off three point three hundred through about 3.305 or 6, and just read it, well, this, comprehend it. This goes uh, Section 3307, presumptive period under 3.307, uh, so as to permit a finding of service connection uh, subsequent 
manifestations of the same chronic disease at any later date, however remote. So under uh, Section 3.307, uh, that's under uh, 38.303B, uh, and then in that it's uh, 3.037. But see, what I'm saying, if I said read part 17, uh, that's a lot of pages. But really it's yeah. not. If you take if you take the CFR and you'll just piece together the pages uh, that, that cover part 3, it's not that many pages. But what I'm betting on, Gerald, if you'll yeah. copy off 3.300, through, say, 3.304, which is a little, that's a small read, and yeah. read it, yeah. you're not going to stop there. You're going to yeah, be interested right. enough when you get into that that you're going to read the rest of part three. But I'm I'm just suggesting right now, just those few pages, it's going to grab you. It's going to make you read more. And then when you get up to 3.309E, that's everything presumptive. That's your Agent Orange diseases, and and if you're not interested by the time you get to three hundred nine e, you're really going to be interested there. Uh, and then when you get into Part Four, that's all the diseases and how they rate them. And in Part Four, you know, guys will file a claim for diabetes, and they and it's a, it's a twenty percent claim. And that's whether you're taking medication by mouth. It's whether even if you're on five shots a day, it's 20% disability. The yeah. only way, the only way you're going to get any higher is if they restrict your activity. No way are you going to get more than 20% if they don't restrict your activity. But when they restrict restrict your activity, then you you file a claim and you'll get above 20%. But guys will file a claim for an increase. Service officers do this. They'll file for an increase, and they don't have restricted activity. Well, now, if they just go over to Part 4 and look up diabetes under the, under the diseases, then they would see. Uh, if you're by mouth, if you're taking medication by mouth or shots, no matter how many, um, yeah, it's, 20%, it's a 20% disability. To get over that, you've got to have uh, uh, restricted activity. But service officers will file it anyway. Uh, no use in it. And that, that's why, like I said, we can use Part 4 just as good as that. They're going to use it to turn, it, to turn us down. Yeah. Uh, we can use it to see if we need to file on it to start with. Same thing with tinnitus. Guys and even service officers will send in a claim asking for an increase in tinnitus. Tinnitus is a 10% disability, period. That's the end of the story. You're never going to get above 10%. Why file for it? It can't be done. That'd be silly. <laughs> yeah. You know, we can read our in our CFR where to file for a non-service-connected pension, you have to have served at least one day during a period of war. If a guy didn't serve at least one day during the period of war, then no, you know you're filing a claim. That's a frivolous claim. 
And by the way, that's that's one of the very, very few frivolous claims that there is. You know, a frivolous claim is a game warden down at Fort Gordon saying he was exposed to Agent Orange while he was hunting and fishing. Now, if you want to if you want to see a frivolous claim that looks frivolous, <laughs> consider that one. Yeah. Uh, it was tough to win, but it wasn't frivolous. And it's these service officers kill me. There are some there are some good service officers out there, but I don't run into them. I don't have that kind of luck. Uh, they want to triage your claims and appeals. When a veteran goes in and wants to file a claim, then they think it's their job to triage it. No, it's not. It's their job to file it. Other people get paid to adjudicate that claim, not them. All they have is that's an opinion, true. and that's all it is. And that's all it is. It's their job to file that claim. Uh, when you when, when not you, a very good opinion from what I've found. But. Yeah, a lot of them are not. When you win, a, when you win let's say you won 30% for PTSD, and you think it should be 70%. When you go in and tell your service officer, uh you want to file for an increase, this ain't right. Mine, my, my PTSD is worse than 30% worth. It's not his job to talk you out of it, triage your claim. It's his job to file it. People in higher pay grades than him get paid to rate that claim. Uh, that just aggravates me to no end. Service officers trying to triage claims. If it takes... If it takes a VA rater a year or a DRO a year or if it goes to the BVA and it takes four years to adjudicate your claim one way or the other, then what qualifies that service officer officer to sit there behind his desk and, and triage your claim in 10 minutes? Man, if he's all that good, if he, if he, yeah, if he, if he can <laughs> decide a claim in ten minutes, uh, he needs to, he needs to to move on up to Washington and, and go to see work. what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> we need <laughs> we need him out where we need him. Yeah, just you let, know, you, let you, the <laughs> let the person file the claim. Up, James on uh, on PTSD. Uh, as you know, we just had some bills uh, get uh, passed through the House of Representatives, I think seven of them, uh-huh. and uh, one of them has to do with TBIU, where a lot of your PTSD claims, where they get up to 60 or Seventy percent, they go ahead and give them TDIU up to a hundred percent. Right. They can well, do they're, that. they're they're talking about doing away with that TDIU on uh, a, a lot of veterans. Are I think I read 
where there was like 7,000 veterans getting that TDIU that jumped from uh, 60 or 70 percent up to 100. Now, once they're receiving, uh, and that's going to cut them about $1,200 a month. Uh, and they're saying, of course, you know, once a veteran gets to 100%, even with TDIU, their family uh, gets insurance. Uh, what is it, Champa? Chapter, Champa chapter VA. 35 benefits. Champa VA, Chapter 35, Education yeah. Benefits. Whole package. But now, if they drop them back, if they take that TDIU away from them, now they won't be able to do it to all veterans, I don't think. Uh, there's some that just absolutely are not capable of going out and working due to other injuries or due to their PTSD, I would assume, yes. And. Uh, well, what? But once they lose that hundred percent, then their family loses their their Champa VA. And uh, I've read one deal where they was talking about grandfathering the men, but I haven't read that in the bill. I don't think that's in the bill. Uh, now maybe uh, it's went through the House of Representatives. Maybe when it goes to the Senate, uh, they'll take care of that issue. But it, uh, this could affect a whole lot of people, James. What's influenced that decision, Dale? Is our generation and those who came before us yes. didn't file for benefits or find out we had benefits coming until we were old men. That's generally. exactly right. Yeah, you're true. So, That's true. So if they gave you TDIU, you might only draw it five years, ten at the outside, and you're dead. Your family, your family is already gone from the nest, so they don't have to educate your children. Your wife is about your age, so they're only, yeah. only going to have to insure her a short period of time. She's gone too. But well, now if it's you've TDIU, got these, they won't. They don't insure the wife, do they? Unless yes. you die, yes. unless you die of a actual service connection. Well, now you're, you're talking about DIC there. Uh, yeah, that, that's getting into a whole new other subject. But let's say education, you look at education benefits, you look at the CHAMP VA, and you looked at, look at the length that they're going to have to pay that veteran because he didn't find out until he was an old man versus post-9-11 veterans walking around carrying computers who are highly informed, and they start drawing their benefits at age 29. They might have to pay them benefits for 50 years and educate all five of their children and their wife uh, and provide medical insurance to their wife for 50 years. That's what's getting under thinking uh, on this TDIU thing. 
I think you're absolutely right, and and that is so true. They're better educated nowadays. When we got out, you know, we were dumber than a box of rocks. So uh, we didn't know any better till, like you say, we get up to be old men. We say, "Well, look here." <laughs> well, well you you remember that. a popular TV show all back then? I've got a secret. Yeah, that was yeah. our generation. <laughs> the VA, well, the had a VA secret. sure wasn't going to tell us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but now yeah, these guys are coming out. They're informed. Uh, just before they get out, uh, their file goes to a service officer, and they look and see if they got anything coming. They arm them with their records, and even file their claims for them before the ETS out of there. Ain't so you've, you, you've got a 25-year-old uh, that might that probably will if he's got any disabilities. He's going to early on in life before he's 30. He's going to be receiving PDIU, so they're going to have to pay him 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. That didn't happen with our generation. No, it didn't. And you are well, right. Old, we're old men before they ever come up with it. Now they're okay, talking I'm about old. anybody drawing Social Security won't be entitled to TDIU. So that falls into play, too. So they're gaming little... against the veterans is what I'm seeing here. Well, uh, they can do some planning, but we can do some planning, too. We're not, we're not totally dumb. And I'm going to give you a piece of information here. And some veterans better be listening. When you file for TDIU, you got to show a likelihood, and I'm going to put in parentheses behind that, prove. It's a non-adversarial system. But you try filing for, for TDIU, and you'll find out it's very adversarial. If you can't get a letter from a former employer saying why you left work and you you, you just couldn't do the job anymore, um, it's very hard to get a doctor's letter. Now, a doctor's not going to stick his nose out and say this veteran can never, ever work again. They're, those kind of doctors are hard to come by. Um you might go give $4,000 for a letter and coax the doctor into saying that. The simplest way to do this, Gerald, and it's free, yeah. is you go down and you go, you go to Voc Rehab at your recent regional offices. Voc Rehab, that's vocational rehabilitation and employment. Voc Rehab. And you sign up for Voc Rehab. They'll give you a one-page form. It's mostly name, address, phone number, contact information. And then they're going to schedule you an appointment. It takes about two weeks to get your, your first appointment. They're going to send you in the mail a questionnaire. You fill out their questionnaire if you can. If you can't fill out the questionnaire, stick it in your back pocket and take them to Take it with you on your first appointment. I tried to fill this out. I put my name and address on it, and I don't understand this other stuff. They'll, they'll fill it out for you. 
then they're going to have you watch a short film. Uh, and they're going to go down a list of how many hours can you work, how much can you lift, what can you still do, uh, how long can you sit. It's a it's a whole list. It takes about 15 minutes for them to ask you all those questions. They're doing it on a computer. At the end of that session, they're going to decide, they're going to make a decision sitting right there whether or not you can ever work again. If they decide you're not employable, then they're going to send your doctor a form and request that your doctor state that you're not employable. And then they're going to transfer you into the ILP program, independent living program. And they're going to see in that program what it is that they can make you comfortable and and, and, and make you less reliant on other people for the rest of your life. They'll buy you whatever, recliner, couch, chair, bed. Uh, but anyway, the, the important thing here is they're going to write a letter and they're going to give you a copy that says this veteran can never, ever work again. You turn that letter in as evidence to get your uh, TDIU. That letter is like a piece of gold because your counselor, your VOC rehab VA counselor, said you can never, ever work again, and they sent it to your doctor, and your doctor signed off on it. And that's when you turn that in and ask for unemployability, bingo. What better evidence could you have? That would be it's it just right there. So simple. Uh, but people are considering going for the unemployability or, or been denied unemployability. Go to rehab, voc rehab, sign up, do it. It's your job sitting there that day talking to the counselor to convince the counselor that you can't work. There's a whole lot of things on that list that they're going to ask you. And one of them, you know, one of them is handling and picking up stuff, and, and one of them is fingering. And that's the only thing that I could still do. If somebody pulls out in front of me, I'm going to finger them. You know? <laughs> I don't think it's quite what they were looking for, but that was the only, nothing else on that list could I do. So they found me un, unemployable and put me in the IOP program. I got the letter saying we we sent this to your doctor and your doctor concurs, not an employee. But I wasn't. I'm already 100%. I didn't need the letter. I just needed all the goodies that I can get. But if you're trying to file for unemployability and you can't get there and you've been turned down, go through voc rehab. Sign up. Fill the paperwork out. Get their letter. They'll get oh, your you doctor get to sign that. off. So they give you a little extra uh, uh, benefits, uh, to uh, like to dealing with uh, home care or something like that, or no, 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 need no. a recliner. They come out. Uh, they come out to your house, and they'll spend an hour or so looking around, uh, and they'll see, they'll they'll see what you need. They'll check your bathroom and see if you've got bars in your shower. 
they'll yeah. they'll uh, they'll look at your carpet and see how tall the pile is if you're in a wheelchair. Do you need shorter carpet? Is there anything yeah. in your home that's dangerous or going to hurt you? Uh, then they're going to sit down and they're going to want to know what it is that you would like to have that would make that can be considered medically necessary by your doctor and would make you more comfortable and less reliant on other people. I said, I want a leather, because I have chloracne. The, uh, yeah. the, the, medic- the medication, the benzoyl peroxide, eats the backs out of my furniture. Yeah, I said, I, I want a that. leather. A gen- I want a real leather, uh, top-grain leather, not genuine leather. Genuine leather is not real leather. Uh, just parts of it is, but I want top grain leather recliner, and I want it a heat in it, and I want my in it, and I want it to stand me up, and I want it to twist and bend every way it can, uh, <laughs> and I want a matching couch, and and I want uh, a king size bed, uh, and I want two sets of sheets, uh, and I want pillows. Uh, and the bed, um, you can go up to 3,500. If you go over 3,500, then it'll take a couple of weeks longer because they have to get another uh, approval. Um, well, I stayed under 3,500. Man, you'd buy a heck of a, a mattress for 3,500, but mattress and box springs 3,500. Recliner, they'll go 2,700 on a recliner. Um, just so many things that you can ask for. Uh, then what well, they're going to do so is much easier to qualify to get these items. Then once you go so into the both. ILP, yeah, once you go into the ILP program, and you've only got to be ten percent disabled to get into the ILP program. Wow. But once you go into the ILP program, then these things are requested by you, and they're forwarded by your. Uh, counselor to your doctor asking for your doctor to sign off that they are medically necessary. And when your doctor signs off on that, when your doctor signs off on that, then they have a credit card that you you get them three estimates. On your recliner, you get them three estimates. On your mattress, you get them three estimates. Uh, On your couch, Whatever you got to have three estimates. Send it in. They purchase it with a credit card for you, and it's delivered to your huh. home. You have to get into the ILP program within twelve years of your ETS, or twelve years within twelve years after you were told you were disabled. At least ten percent. And that qualifies most people. Uh, gosh, I ETS'd out 40 years ago, but I'm within 12 years of when they told me I was disabled. And then once you get into the ILP program, you have 24 months to request different things. In other words, you can get your recliner and your couch, and then you get to thinking three months later, I need a bed. And they'll buy you a new mattress and box springs, and then you get to thinking after that, you know, I need uh, I need this or I need that. 
Uh, I, one thing I, I requested, I requested a, a computer. And my agent, my, my my counselor said, I guess you just need a, a basic computer. I said, no, ma'am. I mean, I mean, a, I, I want a, a super computer. This thing is is fifty five hundred dollars. I, I want a I want a thirty four inch double screen monitor because oh, I can't boy. see real good. Yeah, I can't see real good. The computer itself itself is the latest thing out. It's twenty seven hundred bucks. Uh, I want all the software. I want a warranty. I want uh, privacy protection. I want uh, some kind of some kind of uh, program where I can't be hacked. Uh, yeah, there you go. I want the mouse. I want a desk to put it on, and I want that thousand dollar. Desk chair there that adjusts to fit my back and, and make me real comfortable while I'm using this computer. Uh, that's the door that's open for you. But you got to know about it and you got to apply. Yeah. Right. I don't know why everybody don't go for voc rehab. Go sign up. It's your job to convince you convince them that you're not employable. But now, if you are employable, if they find you employable, you say you're a younger fellow and and you're pretty good shape, they'll find you a a, a whambanger of a job, not just any old job. They they connect you with a really really good job if you want to work. You don't have to accept it. But most guys, especially guys, you know, Vietnam era, they're gonna find them unemployable. And then that yeah. opens up. The, you automatically you go into the ILP program, and you've got 24 months to make your request of what you want, and that can be a long string of requests, one after the other, and then you can ex, you can uh, ask for a six month extension, which would give you 30 months in the program. By then, you should have everything you need. Boy, uh, 30 months. In 30 months, you can ask uh, for a lot of stuff. Is this where they give you the car allowance, too, uh, James? Give you what? Uh, car allowance. No, no, vehicle grant, something else. you got to have loss of oh. use of a limb. To get, i I got a vehicle grant, but I've got loss of use of two, two limbs. I've got a specially yeah. adapted housing grant. Loss of one limb will get you a vehicle grant. If you're post-9-11... One limb will get you a, a specially adaptive housing. If you're pre nine eleven, our generation, you've got to lose two limbs to get that specially adaptive housing. Now I don't know why the younger generation's limb is worth more than what my limb is, but that's <laughs> the way the VA, the Congress wrote the law. That's the way they did it, yeah. But you know, Gerald. You've only got to be 10% disabled to go to VR&E and get into these programs. Why don't veterans do it? Because they don't know. You know, yeah. why haven't I done it? I didn't know. I'm just finding out about that. We've got seven people going through the VR&E program at one time. Dang. And the reason we're doing the reason we're doing that is we each one has a different counselor. 
and we're trying well, to find out. That be at a a VA medical center, right? No, regional office. You apply at your regional office for voc rehab. Yeah. You can apl- actually apply at a county service office. You can apply with any of the major service organizations who have a service officer. Apply with that service officer. Anywhere you can file a claim, or you can even do it on the on your computer. Sign up for voc rehab. That's you've got nothing to lose. You've got nothing to lose, and you've got everything to gain. Why not do it? If you've got a job and you're working, they'll get you a better job. If you can't that's, work, they're uh, going to say so. That's B-R-N-E, right? B-R-N-E. We call it voc rehab. Vocational rehab. Everybody calls it voc rehab. V-R-N-E. Uh, yeah. Sign up for it. That's vocation, rehabilitation, and education. B-R-N-E. Sign up for it. You have nothing to lose. Man, you yeah, you not have uh, you now, awesome. Just a minute. Just uh, suppose when they give you your back pay, your retro when you won your claim, uh, and they went back 10, uh, 10 or 11 years. Yeah. Retro. Now that counts as your beginning date or the date the beginning you date, for your Beginning claim. date of what? Uh, the day, the day that they told you you had a disability of at least 10%. You've got 12 That's years right. from that date. You've got 12 okay. years from that date. From that the date that you got the letter, retro. Yeah. Yeah. No. From the date that you got the letter saying you had at least a ten percent disability, you have twelve years to sign up okay. for folk rehab, or if you're within twelve years of your ETS date, and you okay. have a disability of at least ten percent. So that would be something to certainly get taken care of. Yeah. While they're at your home, they're going to see if you need a ramp. If you're sitting there watching a little bitty TV, you can expect to get you about a, I need a 60-inch TV. I can't see I can't see my TV. I can't hear my TV. I need one of those headphone devices that's wireless to go to my TV. So I'd hear my TV. Well, that'd be nice. I need, yeah, I, I need a shower that I can get in. They'll sign you up for a hisocrat to remodel your bathroom or put you in ramps. That's 6800 bucks to work on your house. You know, One thing why I, does I'm every veteran walk in tubs? <laughs> yeah. With, yeah, with them hair you jets all over. Yeah. Well, now the, the the VA housing agent and the contractor were out here day before yesterday, and uh-huh. they're fixed. They're fixing to start 
eighty some odd thousand dollars worth of work on my house. We're building oh, a, we're building yeah. on to the house. We're putting in a huge bathroom. I'm talking about fifteen by fifteen. It's gonna have oh, a roll in shower. Nice. Yeah, gonna have a roll in shower. Uh we're going to have a new washroom, and that washroom's going to be the same size, 15 by 15. Well, it's 15 by 16. We're putting in two concrete ramps, uh, an awning at the back door. We're putting covered ramp coming out of the bathroom. Uh, nobody has an exit door coming out of the bathroom, but I'm going to have one, and it's going to have a covered ramp going right into my new garage. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> And, you know, there's a veteran who lives right down the road. He came up here after they left, and he said, I came to see you a little earlier, and I saw that VA license tag, and I left. Uh, and incidentally, he's trying to get TDIU. I'm walking him through the process. But he came back after they left, and he said, what did he say about that five-ton and that Jeep sitting out there? I said, he didn't say anything about it. He said, but you're 100% disabled. He didn't say nothing about you having that five ton. I said, no, it's none of his business. That's not what he was here for. Well, what did he say about that bulldozing excavator dump truck you got sitting over there? I said, he didn't say a word about it. That's not why he, why he was here. It's none of his business. Uh, yeah, I operate a bulldozer and I operate a excavator. They belong to me. Uh, I operate that five ton. There's nothing that says I can't drive and ask for aid and attendance at the same time. If you're on aid and attendance, to stop driving is not that's not a qualification. To have to sell my five ton and quit driving it, that's not a qualification. To stop operating bulldozers and heavy equipment, it's none of their business. I didn't say I lost the loss of use of my hand and foot. My doctor did. Now, if they've got better experience in education to override my doctor, let them go at it. Uh, they can give an opinion that I shouldn't be driving that five-ton, but that's all it is. But, you know, you can picture me. I've got loss of use of two limbs, and I, just the other day I filed for the loss of use of the third one. A neurologist told me to go ahead and file for it and get a brace on that leg before I fell. Uh, and I was in the emergency room last week because the vision went out in one eye. So you can picture me, uh, lost the use of three limbs in one eye, sitting up driving that five ton pulling a Jeep. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not hiding from anybody. Yeah, I don't have to give up my driver's license. Uh, I've never said I was half dead. Just nearly getting close. <laughs> well, it's bad enough now, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I do have a doctor for the last two years that's been after my driver's license. She went through Ooh. my record and noted loss of use of two limbs uh, and the defibrillator going off and shocking me and uh, actually died once and, and all the other problems that I got, neuropathy in the remaining limbs and yeah, she's been chasing me around trying to get my driver's license. But uh, now, can neuropathy uh, 
be the cause of use of? Loss of use. That's yeah. the cause of my my loss of Neuropathy. use. Agent Orange yeah. exposure and the and the diabetes is secondary to the Agent Orange exposure. The neuropathy yeah. the neuropathy is secondary to the diabetes, but it transgressed into so much of a problem that it gave me drop foot. Yeah. And yeah. I lost I lost permanent loss of the perennial nerve. So they concede at that point loss of use of the foot. Then I've yeah. got claw hand in my right hand and it's just shriveling up and dying. Uh so I've got oh, loss man. of use of that right hand. And then when I went to the emergency room the other day they sent a neurologist in trying to find out if I had a stroke. They think it was a mini stroke. Uh, and he went over me head to toe, and he said, you've got drop foot in that left foot. You need to get an appointment with your podiatrist and get a brace on that leg before you fall. So I just oh. went down to file the intent and, and made the appointment with the podiatrist. But if, if I can get up in that five-ton and drive it, yeah, I'm going to drive it. I got a license that says I can. Uh, I got a piece of inch and a quarter water pipe that I slip over the the handbrake lever on it so I can get enough strength to pull that handle lever up. But it's uh, power steered. It's air brakes. It's got a five speed Allison transmission. And if you can get up and sit there, you can drive it. I've got yeah four cameras. Uh, on the truck, one forward, one backward, and one on each fender looking backwards. Uh, and I've got that screen sitting right there in front of me. I don't have to turn and twist, and, and I can see, I see everything on the screen to change lanes and to park. And, yeah, Is that it, aftermarket? They didn't, they didn't come out with those, did they? No, that's aftermarket. I, I had to order that thing from mainland China. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. But I was having problems seeing, you know, big thing was was behind me and traffic coming up on either side of me, changing lanes. That thing's got huge blind spots in it. So I put that camera system in it, and now when I turn my turn signal on to change lanes, yeah. it switched to that left-hand camera and looked down the side of the truck. If I want to turn right, it'll switch to the right-hand camera. It come up on the screen. Uh-huh. If there's anything over, you didn't see it. Um, Boy, that's can, a good can, setup there. Yeah. yeah, I can see who's behind me. Uh, I can't see that out of my mirrors. It's so big. It's, it, that thing is that your mirrors are set 12 feet apart. Um, well, I know they're they're just, <laughs> them bob downs are pretty hefty vehicles now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All I gotta do is look in my screen. I have got a nine inch screen sitting right in front of me. And it's yeah, recording but... all four cameras at the same time. I can bring it in the house and plug it in my computer and play it back. Uh, and the camera stays on all the time. It don't draw much juice. So when I park yeah. it somewhere, I can look that evening and see all the people looking at it and feeling of it. And, <laughs> and if I want to, I can turn the sound on and see what they had to say about it. But it, uh, 
If I'm pulling the Jeep on the trailer, I can see what's behind me. I can see in underneath the Jeep. I've got about 18 inches there that I can see under that Jeep and see who's behind me. Uh, oh, that's good. You got yeah, it. I've got it, rigged, I've got it rigged up for a disabled veteran to drive, you know. Yeah. Uh, I had a service yeah, okay. officer. I had a service officer the other day. I said I went up to Manchester to raise event he had up there. And he said, did you drive that Jeep to Madden Central Chester? Now, this guy's not on the side of a veteran. He's a company man. Yeah. He said, he said, did you drive that Jeep to Manchester? It's 100 miles up there. Oh, 112 miles. I said, yeah, I did. I, I said, no, I didn't. I said, I put it on the trailer and pulled it behind the five-ton. He said, so you, you drove the five-ton to Manchester? I said, certainly didn't throw it home, too. Uh, it's none of his business. He can't yeah. say whether I can drive that five-ton or not. My doctor ain't told me I can't drive my five-ton. Not up to him. <laughs> my doctor hadn't told me I can't operate my bulldozer. He did say uh, one appointment after I died at operating that bulldozer. He did ask me. On one appointment, he said, Mr. Cripps, what's the most active thing you've done since you were here to see me last? I said, I don't know, Doc. And my wife said, the dog died. He buried the dog. So he gets him a piece of paper out and a pencil, and he said, now, how deep a hole did you dig to bury this dog? I said, about four feet. He said, you dug a hole four feet deep. He said, how many times did you have to rest? I said, None. He said, you dug a hole four feet deep, and you buried your dog, and you didn't have to rest at all. I said, no. I said, I used a bulldozer. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted his paper, <laughs> threw it in the trash. Now, this is, my, this is my doctor who's in the advanced heart failure clinic. Yeah. Uh, he'd, he'd already told me to stay off the bulldozer once. Uh, that I shouldn't be operating, but it just so happened that day I wasn't on the bulldozer. I was on the track loader. That's what I dug the hole with. Yeah. But, you know, Gerald, if you just sit down and quit, no, I won't need aid and attendance. I'll die. Yeah, yeah, you got to keep going. Yeah, you got to. Always. Oh. And, and you know, there's always something to do. <laughs> Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to go out there and get on a treadmill and get this exercise that my doctor's saying I ought to be getting? Or am I going to go out there and get on my bulldog? Yeah. Yeah, I'd hold up rather be on that bulldog. Yeah. Yeah. Hell with that treadmill. <laughs> Stand yeah. those machines or the track loader or the dozer about four hours. At four hours it whips me. I can't do five, I know that. But usually I'll go out there and I can spend two hours easily. But I get interested in what I'm doing. Uh, I'm you don't I, quit, I, do you? Yeah, I'm digging <laughs> out a place right now big enough to build an airplane hangar uh, to put that five ton in. And the Jeep and the trailer and two tractors and a, and a F-250 and a boat and my side-by-side -side, uh, Pioneer. 
I need a big building. <laughs> I'm moving a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's two hours at a time, and I've got a power shift machine, and I've got it rigged up where I can operate it. I've made some modifications in the, in the controls on it. If I can, if I can do it, the biggest problem I have is getting on the machine. So I got my yeah, fiberglass. I, can... I got my fiber fiberglass stablighter sitting out there, and I climb up on it, and I'll check the oil in it, and I'll fuel it up, and then I, when I get finished, I pull back up to that ladder, cut it off, go down the ladder. There's ways to do things, you know. Like I said, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not claiming I'm half dead. I can't zip my pants. I can't get a hold of the zipper. I can't button my shirts. I can't do my belt. I can't put my braces on my on my on my feet. Uh, I can't sense temperature changes. I'll I'll fry myself in the shower. Uh, but I can operate that bulldozer. I don't need any fine motor skills to operate that bulldozer. And just people yeah. just don't, uh, like the guy up here the other day that came up here and he said, you didn't even hide that five ton when that VA guy was here. I said, no, it ain't none of his business. And the guy didn't, he had to walk around it uh, to get up to the house. But that ain't what he was here for. But if he well, would have asked, I would have told him, you know, I'm not hiding Yeah, but if there's anything important that I've got to that. say, yeah, if there's anything important that I've got to say out of today's show, don't make a mountain out of a, a, a molehill. You know, start with that 38 CFR 3.300 and read through about uh, 303, 304, and I think you'll be interested in that point at that point to keep on reading. And don't just yeah. read it, comprehend it. Look at what it's saying, and it's going to tell you a whole lot. For one thing, that if you come down with a disease or, uh, that's connected, that's on your service record, at any later date. So what they're telling you out of the regional office that you wasn't, you didn't show it within a year of, of your last date of service, you begin to realize they're not telling me the truth. Yeah. Yeah. They you, you think they... <laughs> you know, you they don't question me. that. But if you know yeah. better, and you've got, if you've got a copy of the law, and you know better, then yeah. Let them know you about it. Say, say, hey, wait a minute. You're all wrong here. You know, Daryl, when I first started in this, a lot of times they would, you'd send in a claim, and in six months they'd send you uh, a letter back that you had to have a certified copy of your DD-214, and you didn't yeah. send in a certified copy. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Well, sure when have. they sent and got you, when they sent and got your records, your military records, there should have been a certified copy in there. But what well, everybody yeah. don't know, what everybody don't know, is every one of those service officers and raiders up there at the regional office 
have a stamp laying right on their desk. If they got a copy of your DD-214, all they have to do is stamp it and sign across it, and that's a certified copy. Yeah. Rather than do that, they wait six months and tell you they need a certified copy. It's crazy. It's a, it's a stall tactic. Uh, it bought them six months. It's a veteran's fault. Well, you know, James, it's stumps like that that co- generated this backlog. And uh, not only in the claims end of it, in the appeals end of it. They do these yeah. stupid yeah. things just to kill time. Uh, that's their... Oh, my, we, we're out of time, James. You know, Gerald, if you took one of these long balloons like you see around the fairgrounds... Yeah. And you blew that thing, you blow that thing up... If you put your foot on one end of that balloon, all the air is going to shoot up to the other end. If you put your foot yeah. on the other end, it's going to shoot down to the other end. And that's what's yeah. happening with the claim system. They, 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 everything that they cleared from, from the uh, uh, decisions has been pushed up to the other end in appeals. Yeah, uh, it, it's simple to see, and it's and it's stupid things uh, like that, that 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 are making the uh, the uh, the appeals system so. I don't know. I, I don't even have a word for it, Gerald. Yeah, there there is no word. It, it's well, they're talking about it. if Congress don't do something about it, it's going to be by the year twenty uh, twenty. It's going to be seven years <laughs> waiting uh, for an appeal. Now, last December, last November, we're out of time, James. The thing's fixing to shut us off. Okay, uh, I enjoyed it, here. I, I did too. This was a good show. I appreciate your your input here on this. Uh, uh, 38 CFR 303B, A, B, and C, and everyone, you are absolutely right. Everyone needs to print this off and uh, uh, actually keep it by their commode. They ought to read it until yeah. they have it totally memorized. Yeah. And uh, keep a reading. Keep reading these 38 CFRs because they're, they determine whether you're going to win a claim or not. If you follow the proper instructions, then by golly, uh, you you have a chance. It's bad enough that uh, uh you have to go through all this nightmare, but at least do your part right or try. Yeah, don't listen to hearsay. Don't listen to me. Read it for yourself. Yes. And and be sure to go to this usba101.org and copy those pages off there and take it with you to your doctor. So he's got a a 
stencil or a uh, a, a diagram how to write these letters or be as simple as you can get and uh, get things done right the first go around because the VA don't they don't mess around. Uh, you don't want to have to keep doing the same thing over and over. And yeah, with that, that website this, is, that website's being rebuilt. Um, but I put that Nexus letter up there first thing. I'm not going to leave anybody hanging on that Nexus letter. But I'll, when I get a chance, I'll work on their website, get it all updated, and, and add more to it. But the Nexus letter's there. I put it there first. It's most important. Very good. That's how people utilize it. If they don't, we'll keep reminding them of it through the shows that we do here. Uh, and... Uh, because that's a good piece of information to have, and it's critical. You need it. If you're going to win your claim, you need these Nexus letters. So uh, with that, there'll be this will be Gerald Cook with James Cripps. We'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bastard Show. <laughs>